Greetings and welcome to session six of this series on abounding in the good works of God. In session one, we talked about how uniquely special every member is in the body of Christ and that God has already prepared for each of us to do good works, as is mentioned in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Then in session five, we address God's desire for all Christians around the world to work together. And that is recorded in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. We will now merge these two truths together and drill deeper into your particular role in the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, it reads, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. God did his part by preparing us to do good works. Now he's urging us to make a commitment to do something with this preparation. Are you ready to make that commitment today? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to the patterns of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can test and approve what the will of God is, the thing that is good and pleasing and perfect. In the past, what I was commonly taught about this verse is that we need to renew our mind to the promises that God has given to us in the scriptures. Although this is certainly true, I believe it only scratches the surface of what God is trying to communicate to us here. The word mind is a translation from the Greek word nous, and it refers to our thoughts and our feelings. Using our mind, we are being asked to test and approve what the will of God is. This is a very personal request. The will of God for your life is much different than the will of God for my life or for anyone else. This renewing of the mind is something you are going to do in order to discover what God's will is for your life. No one else can do this for you. The words test and approve are translation from the Greek word dokimazo, D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O, and it means to test and examine with scrutiny. This indicates that there is a process of learning involved in order to identify God's will. We are all in a constant state of discovery to find out what God wants us to be doing. In verse 3 it reads, For by the grace given unto me, I say to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think sensibly, in accordance with the measure of trust God has allotted to each one. The words not to think of himself more highly is a reminder that every person's role in the body of Christ is different, but that each person's function is just as important as ours. Regarding where it says that measure of trust, we know from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 and so many other verses in the Bible that God will always equip us to do the good works that he has called us to do. We may not have the faith or the ability to do what someone else in the body of Christ does, 
but we will always be able to carry out what God asks us to do. Our part is to walk out in faith. When we first receive our directions from God, we may not always understand the reasons why he's asking us to do something, or where the means will come from to make it happen. This is where trust comes in. We take action without having the answers to those questions. As an example, I was convinced last year that our Lord Jesus Christ wanted me to travel to Kenya to teach God's word. But I didn't know why he had chosen me to go to Kenya over any other country. As a matter of fact, I was wondering, why not just have me go to another place in my own country? I didn't have any connections in Kenya. I didn't know how all of this could happen. But I trusted God. I made the decision that I was going to Kenya because I knew that's where the Lord was telling me to go. And so I began taking action on the goal, even though I didn't know how it was going to get accomplished. Does that make sense? What happened during the next several months after that incident was many signs, miracles, and wonders that I could share with you, but I don't want to take the time to do that right now. But rest assured, I knew that God wanted me to go to Kenya after I started taking action and I started seeing so many wonderful things happen to open the way for this to take place. In fact, I received so many confirmations that I remember when I was flying on that plane and it was getting ready to land in Nairobi in Kenya that in my heart and mind I was extremely excited because of all of the preparations that had happened, how God had had confirmed over and over again that he wanted me to go there and how all the details had gotten worked out. I was absolutely convinced before that plane even landed that great and mighty things were going to happen in Kenya as a result of my taking action on what the Lord had told me to do. The results manifested themselves only after I chose to walk out in faith on the vision that our Lord had given to me. Here is the basic formula for success. It's very simple. Number one, God reveals to you through Jesus Christ what it is that he desires you to do. Number two, you take action on it. Then comes number three, where God guides your steps and brings it to pass. Verses 4 and 5 from Romans chapter 12. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually parts of one another. In the last lesson, I shared a lot about teamwork. In a team, everyone has a specific role to play. For instance, in a soccer team, they have 11 players out on the field, and each one of those players has unique responsibilities and assignments. Some of those players are focused on scoring the goals. Others are there mostly to play defense. Some players set up the plays that result in the goals being scored 
while others, of course, take the actual shots on goal. Although the players who score the goals are the ones that the media gives most, if not all, of the attention to, the role of the other players on the team really makes the team to succeed. And without the defense and without the setups, the team would not be able to win the game. Verses 6 through 8. But since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that was given to us, let us use them accordingly. If it is prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our trust. If it is serving, let us give ourselves to our serving. If it is teaching, to teaching. If it is encouragement, to encouragement. The one who gives, do it with liberality. The one who leads and cares for people, do it with diligence. The one who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. First of all, I want to mention that it says that we have gifts that differ. This tells us that we all have gifts. No one is left out. Every person in the body of Christ has been given gifts. These gifts were not given for us to use selfishly for our own benefit. The gifts God has blessed us with are for the benefit of the body of Christ. It is the test and approve stage that was mentioned in verse 2 where we identify what those gifts are. Understanding what they are, we are now being asked in this verse to step up to the plate and use them for the benefit of others. I love the word cheerfulness in verse 8. It comes from the Greek word hilarotes, H-I-L-A-R-O-T-E-S. We get our English word hilarious from it. Performing our ministry should bring joy and happiness in our life. I know when I was in Kenya and Uganda, utilizing the gifts that God had blessed me with to minister to the wonderful people there, it brought so much joy to my heart. I really don't know how else to describe it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7 Let each one give as he has previously decided in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. To give grudgingly is to give out of sorrow. In contrast, we see this word hilarates again. God loves it when we give cheerfully. At one point in my life, I was part of an international folk dance group. We were a team of eight dancers that performed at various locations in my community. Our dances represented the cultures of countries such as Russia, Bulgaria, Ireland, Romania, and Israel. One thing I learned from these performances was how important it is to be cheerful on stage. When our audiences see how much fun we are having on stage, it makes for a much greater impact. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body, being fitted together and held together by every supporting ligament, with each individual part doing its proper function, produces the growth of the body with the goal of building itself up in love. We talked about this verse in the last session. Notice the words, every supporting ligament. Then it says, each individual part doing its proper function. What causes great growth in the body is when each individual brings the gifts that God has blessed them with to the joint effort of the entire body. When I was in Kenya, there was a young man named Peter Andrea. 
he traveled all the way from Tanzania to participate in the Crusades with me in Kenya. Peter has a wonderful God-given gift for dancing, singing, and entertaining. He utilized these gifts during our Crusades with hilarious enthusiasm. I witnessed large crowds quickly form and gather to see the funny show that Peter was displaying in front of them. Once the crowds were there, it was my turn to pick up the microphone and tell them about God's love, who Jesus Christ is, what his purpose was in coming to earth, and why they needed him for eternal life. After I was done with my message, I would ask whoever had received Jesus Christ as their Lord to please raise their hand. I would look out at the crowd and I would see so many hands held high. It brought so much joy to my heart. By the way, you can view photos of this on my blog of my website. Do you see from this illustration how Peter and I worked together as a team? He would draw the people close with the gifts that God had blessed him with. Then it was my turn to teach them about what God wanted them to hear. That was my gift as a teacher. Neither of our gifts is any more important than the other, but they all contribute towards the success that God wants to see happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. For the body is not one part, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body, does that mean that it is not part of the body? And if the ear says, because I am not the eye, I'm not part of the body, does that mean it is not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the parts, each one of them, in the body just where he wanted them. I mentioned only Peter and I when I talked about the success of our crusades. That really isn't fair. There was Bishop Isaac Sindhu who organized the event. There are guys like Simon Waswa who built the stage that we used. There were those who hooked up and ran the sound equipment. We had several dance teams. I had a translator. Many people who came were likely invited to the event by local church members. The list goes on. Lots of people working together is what caused the tremendous results that we saw. As these verses in 1 Corinthians 12 tell us, each individual part contributed towards the overall success of the Crusades. Verses 21 to 22. And the eye is not able to say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are much more necessary. No person's function in the body of Christ is insignificant or unimportant. I had to learn that the hard way. I was a young and enthusiastic Christian when I entered a Christian leadership training program. I considered myself to be smart, intelligent, and well-rounded. I had a very serious problem that God had to deal with. I thought I was better than other people. God straightened things out for me. We were all given work assignments as part of our leadership training. With the talents I had, I was convinced that I'd be given an assignment that was prestigious and exciting. 
To my shock, I was given the job of cleaning bathrooms. It's a long story that I will likely cover in a detail in a later session. But what it did was it got me to realize that every person's role in the body of Christ is very important, including the people who clean bathrooms. In the business world, the person who is the top company executive makes the most amount of money. The person who sweeps and mops the floors and empties the waste baskets makes the least amount. That is not true in the spiritual world. God has an equal amount of eternal rewards that he will be handing out to people in the body of Christ who remain faithful to do whatever their responsibilities that he has given them to do, regardless of what that work is. So how do you discover what your function in the body of Christ is? First, I would suggest that you ask the following two questions. Number one, what am I good at? What comes naturally to me that is more of a struggle for other people? Second, what do I enjoy doing? To help answer those questions, I would suggest trying different things. My youngest daughter always enjoyed physical activities. When she was young, I signed her up for dancing. She took dance lessons. Over a span of about 10 years after that, she participated in soccer, karate, swimming, acting on stage, gymnastics, and basketball. Although she did well in all of these activities, the passion to continue these sports was not there. Then she started playing lacrosse and running on the cross-country team. She made the varsity lacrosse team as a ninth grader in high school. She also made the varsity cross-country team that year. When I watch her play those sports now, I see a fire in her eyes. There's a passion to succeed, and she is experiencing a lot of success in both. At the district cross-country meet this year, she got second place in the 5K race. Afterwards, a fellow parent told me that he noticed that she had a big smile on her face as she crossed the last distance towards the finish line. Most of the other runners had a frown on their face at the end of the race, probably because of fatigue. With Shauna, it was sheer joy. She has the passion, and that passion, when you have it, will lead to success. My encouragement to you is that you go through the exploratory phase. Find out what you are good at by trying different things. And what are you passionate about? Then, once you discover this, humbly submit yourself to God and be ready for those talents to be used to serve the body of Christ. Remember that your talents and abilities are meaningless unless you put them to use for the glory of God. In the next session, we will characterize the unique ministry of Jesus Christ. I will explain why he needed to be born, what his purpose was, and what his role is in our life today. Until then, remember that God loves you, and so do I.